Police responded to a 911 call. Dramatic video of gun insanity in the Bronx. Police releasing a new video of a person that they are still trying to track down. Defund the police is not the answer. Many people surveyed said they just don't feel safe in the city. It's a shooting outside of a store. This is Bo Deedles. True crime. Police this morning are searching for the person who turned this Harlem platform to a crime scene. A Red Apple Media Podcast Network production. Now, here's Bo Deedle. Welcome to Bo Deedle's True Crime Story. Today, we're going to talk about the true story behind the wolf of Wall Street. Was he the wolf of Wall Street? I'm going to tell you the facts right now. The truth of the matter was the rat of Wall Street. I was introduced to Jordan Belford through a guy named Dick Grosser, who was the head of the New York Stock Exchange. So let me give you a little synopsis about Jordan Belford. Now, Jordan Belford had a movie made. We all know The Wolf of Wall Street. Wow. And then he wrote two books. Wow. He put me in two of his books. Wow. But he was able to get the greatest director, I think, of all time, Martin Scorsese, to direct it. And I think the number, at least the top three actors of all times, Leonardo DiCaprio to play him. Wow, what a lucky guy. Oh, Mr. Wolf, you were so lucky. You're a scumbag. And now we're going to talk a little bit about the real Jordan Belford. I'm going to give you a little story behind the Wolf of Wall Street. Throughout the 1980s, Jordan Belford worked at several brokerage firms. And once saved enough money, he started his own firm on Long Island. And it was called Stratton Oakmont. Before... Belford recruited several of his friends and his father. He put him in real high-level positions with the firm, believing that he could trust and also that he could control him and spend whatever money he wanted. Stratton Oakman soon adapted the usage of the classic yet illegal pump-and-dump scheme. This is a trading scheme where brokers inflate stock prices through the false and misleading positive statements, and they sell the cheaply purchased stock at a high, higher price. Once the stocks had been purchased at the inflated price, Belford and his brokers would dump their shares and the stock prices would collapse and the investors in turn would lose their money. The and Pops, mostly Jewish families from the North Shore, because he had them good, because he had the word out there. Word of the easy money-making scheme spread, which enticed young wannabe stockholders to apply for jobs at Stratton Oakmont. I'll never forget the first time I went there. It was in, I think, Lakeville Road. It was off that Lakeville Road. I pulled up there when I first got called by Dick Grosso. He goes, Bo, there's a firm called Stratton Oakmont. There's Jordan Belford. He's got a problem with some wise guys. He needs help, Bo. So I pull up there with my guys. Next thing is, out front, Ferrari, Maserati, every beautiful car are out there. So I walk into the firm, I look at everybody, and he's had all these young kids. They all had $1,000 suits on, short haircut, dressed to the nines, all of them. And I started to realize, wow, this is some action. Little did I know this was probably one of the biggest scams that was happening. And you know what the firm's motto was? Don't hang up until the client buys or dies. These young Stratton idiots began making money and they created a cult-like party in corporate culture filled with cocaine, two-and-alls, second-alls, and Belford's favorite. What was his favorite? Lemons. 
Lemons was his favorite. Prostitutes, gambling, and Belford was a huge part of this. Stratton Oakman had really good successes through the 90s, making a lot of money. Jordan Belford financed the founding of two other brokerage firms, Monroe Parker Securities and Biltmore. These were all part of the scam. Founding these firms further increased his ability to control stock prices and earn huge profits. Here's what I remember. A stock would come out, and all of a sudden, a Belford would say, Bo, you got an investigating group. Why don't you check this company out? they got 15 offices all over the place. So I'd send my detectives out, and I would go to these storefronts. They were empty storefronts. i come back to Jordan. i say, Jordan, there's no offices. These are all empty places. He goes, oh, you did good work, Bo. Give me the report. Yep. I gave him the report. Next thing is I knew is on that Monday, stock would come out at $2. They'd be getting it going. They'd be on there with Grandma. Oh, this is going to make you so much money. Oh, just give me $20,000. Your money will double in the next month. This is the greatest thing. Eh, Every one of these things. And you have Grandma answering the phone. Well, you know, I only have... 30000 in my life savings. But, but listen, you're going to miss a chance. I tell you what, give me $20,000. it will double in a month. And Grandma and Grandpa, oh, well, that that will be great. Please stand by me. Trust me. That was the word I always heard. Trust me. You're going to double your money. All right. Now $2 stock starts rising. By Friday of that same week, that $2 stock was between $12 and $14 because they called, they kept calling people. And then all of a sudden, there'd be a party at Millie's in Great Neck. And I attended a lot of these parties. And everybody's, Yahoo! And you know what it was all about? There was about 15 facilitators. And these were the guys that Jordan had in his pocket, what they would do is they would buy like $100,000 worth of stock. They would put up their own money, whatever, and they would have the inside scoop on this stock that was coming out on a Monday. So they would buy 100000 of these shares. And then you know what happens? That $100,000 turned out maybe to be worth a million dollars by the end of the week. They would sell them. And who do you think got caught? Grandma and Grandpa. And then the stock dropped down faster than Conchita Rivera. You know what that means? It dropped down fast. And who was the losers? The losers were the poor mom and pops that invested their life savings. These were called IPOs, initial private offerings. And they, they he did, I think, about 35 companies. Now, there was one guy I met. And he became a friend of mine, a guy named Steve Madden. He had the Steve Madden shoes during the early, late 80s, early 90s. He was for real. Steve Madden probably was the only real one that was there. And he supposedly earned Belford over $23 million in less than three minutes. I'm going to repeat that. This is in the early 90s. $23 million in less than three minutes. By the age, age of 34, Jordan Belford, he earned a fortune. Hundreds of millions of dollars. His wealth amplified his partying, globe and all that kind of stuff. Quaaludes, cocaine. Quaaludes was his best that he loved. He loved. Now, he used to have a helicopter, and I knew the captain there, Captain Mark. He used to fly the helicopter. Then he had the beautiful yacht, the Nadine, which I was on. Beautiful yacht. 
So he was stoned out of his mind. We actually, he was paranoid for the cocaine. We actually built uh, in Brookville, old Brookville, we actually built a security guardhouse. We put cameras everywhere. Yeah, and in the movie you have uh, that beautiful actress. But I'll tell you the honest truth. Nadine Belfort, his real wife, was one of the most beautiful women I've ever, ever seen. In reality, she was prettier than Margot Robbie. Yes, Margot Robbie's so beautiful, but Nadine Belford was was beyond beyond beauty. What she was doing with this creep, I don't know, but she married him. They had kids, and then we used to have uh, Rocco Day, Rocco Night. I had a couple of my detectives. One was called Rocco Day and Rocco Night because both names were Rocco. It's throughout his book, and he had a lot of the truth in the book, and he started going crazy there with the drug. Then all of a sudden, he wanted to try to bury some of this money. And uh, you, I used to have this guy, I'll never forget, I knew him from Rayos. He was the, one of the guys that uh, his wife was playing the part in there. And he came up with this scheme with the Swiss bank accounts because he knew they couldn't trace the money to the, at that time, couldn't trace the money to the banks. And then he started smuggling the money, cash, to Switzerland. Part of the scheme was he started strapping the money to this one fella who was his partner, his wife, and she would take trips to Switzerland where they had this corrupt Swiss banker that was on the take, obviously. And then all of a sudden the FBI started sniffing around. And I'll never forget when he got locked up. In the movie, it's uh, when he crashes his car, he gets locked up. I'll never forget. He calls me up. I had Mike Cerevolo go over there. And then I got my friend Joe. I called Joe the lawyer up. Joe Famagetti from Nassau County, where he knew the judge. We were able to get this little creep out on bail right away. Station house bail, they call it. And Joe got him out of jail. And and then all of a sudden, he was crazy. He just didn't care about anything. He didn't care about people. And one thing that really pissed me off to this day, every time there was charity events, I'd say, hey, Jordan, give me some money for this charity. Never, ever this creep. That's what made me hate him more. And then all of a sudden... The FBI got involved, and in the movie, it actually protects him in, in Rayos. We were sitting on my big table at Rayos, and it's in the movie where he'd be there, and I think I had a couple of attorneys there with me, and I'll never forget Jordan's there, and I had security on him all the time because how I got involved was that a couple of wise guys came into Stratton Oakmont, and they told Jordan, I think you need security. So Jordan tells me about this, and I gave him my card. I said, tell these guys that, you know, I got half the company I own. Tell them to call me if they have any problems. Sure enough, they called me. I had a meeting in, I think, the Testarossa <laughs> Italian restaurant. Them, me, and a couple of my guys, Vinnie Peppo, Tone, Jimmy the Wags. I brought my crew over there. I said, guys, not for nothing. I'm, we're, we're there. We don't need no help. And the guy goes, hey, you know, Bo, this isn't going to go very well with my boss. I said, I tell you what, you tell your boss that I'm involved and then let him tell his boss. And we swear where it goes. Tell you what you do. Go go shake down a restaurant or something. This one I got, okay? Uh, make a long story short, they were smart enough to understand they don't want to have a fight because I would have brought the FBI organized crime in. This is settled very easy. Nobody wants problems from the FBI or the cops. So they were able to go away, and we continued to do the security for them. I continued to see this creep. He should be called the rat of Wall Street because I'll tell you in a few minutes what he ends up doing.
So he made a lot of money. So he was the, he was the crime. So when they made their million dollars on 100000 approximately on the IPO, what they would do is they would come back with suitcases of cash to Jordan. So the kickback, if they made a million, they were probably giving him at least three, four $400,000 on their investment. So he was making all this money from these 12 to 15 felicitators. And that's where the crime was. If he never took the money, Jordan, the cash, there's also money laundering involved with this, all that. But that was the actual crime when they were handing him the money back. And as they handed him the money back, Jordan became richer, and Dan Porish, he was afraid. He was like Fredo. He was an airhead, Dan Porish. He was always stoned out of his mind. And then we were, we'll go back to the Rayos. He was at the table. He went to the bathroom. He came back. He was known for taking these quaaludes. Next thing is he's starting to nod out. I said, Jordan, what are you doing, man? And it's portrayed in the uh, movie. It's true. And next thing is, boom, he falls asleep, his head. He had a plate of macaroni, fazilis with uh, sausage and mushroom and the red sauce. Boom, his head goes into the macaroni. I pick his head up with the napkin, wipe his face off. And I tell my guys, get him the hell out of here. Get him out of this stoned out junkie. So they brought him out there. So now the FBI started investigating. And Jordan actually said to me, hey, Bo, uh, I want you to bug the FBI, uh, FBI agent's car his office in his house, and I said to him, this is true in the line in the, good, in, in the movie, The Wolf of Washington. I said, you know what, Jordan? You're an idiot. That FBI agent's smart, and you're dumb. I says, you want to bug an FBI agent? You are a psychopath, junkie, little punk. He didn't like me because he knew I, I would have liked to have assaulted him. I didn't assault him. Now, all of a sudden, He's a hero again. He's on YouTubes and Instagrammies and Facebookies and all that crap. So eventually, he was arrested by the FBI. And, you know, you got to remember one thing. He wasn't a nice guy. He actually kicked his pregnant wife down the stairs, Nadine, this effing punk, this little, he's no man, he's a little worm. And I called him when I spoke to him when the movie came out because I told the, the Wall Street Journal he's a little punk, he should be in jail. So they eventually arrested him, and he spent a few weeks in rehab, and he went home, and guess what he did? They, they arrested him for money laundering and all that. Okay, so now here is the crime that he was convicted of. Stratton Oakmont built over 1,500 individual investors out of over $212 million. Belfort was eventually sentenced to four years in prison, ordered to pay a fine of $110 million. What he did was, Mr. Brave Man, little punko, what he did was he cooperated. And what he did was every one of these people he put into business, all his so-called friends, he wore a wire like a little rat piece of garbage that he is and he wore a wire and he got all these guys locked up including Steve Madden this he should be the punk of Wall Street the rat punk of Wall Street that's who you are Jordan Belvin now all of a sudden I heard you paid back 12 million of the 110 where is the United States attorney going after him I look on YouTube you don't have to look too far I look all around the place private jets yachts in the Caribbean oh the wolf is talking why isn't he held to task for that 110 million dollars Mr. U.S. attorney you'd rather go off on these guys who were at this January 6th keep him in jail solitary this guy stole 
over $200 million, and he never paid it back. Why aren't you going after him, Mr. U.S. Attorney? Why? Oh, my God. All I know is that he took this money from little mom and pa's, their life savings, and now he's living the life of a millionaire, private jets, and he, he went to jail because of his being a rat. He only did, I think, 15 or 16 months. You know where they put him? In a campus. He played, he laughs at. I played tennis for 15 months. I sharpened my game. You little punk should have hit you in the, over the head with the tennis racket. You know, he was ordered to pay that. And you know what? He never paid that money back. So when you watch this creep, and come on, Jordan, come after him. Why don't you sue me? Oh, why don't you be a little better? Why don't we man to man? I'll meet you anywhere, anytime. I'll punch you out. Let's meet over in L.A. or New York because I know one thing. After I punch you out, Jordan, I'll get bail. So just let me know wherever you want to meet because you're a disgrace. I am not your friend. You're a piece of garbage. How many Jewish people, old people, did you kill of a broken heart from their life savings that you defrauded these people? Wolf of Wall Street, you are the fraud rat of Wall Street. You're the epitome of what's wrong with this country. Now they highlight you. And their people, go to those little websites and see private G4s, boats. Are you. How come you didn't have to pay the $110 million back? All my gangster friends that I grew up with, they have $4. My friend Joe Watts, poor Joe Watts had about $40, 50000000 in, in, in real estate. They took every bit of bank. He's got nothing. They took every penny away. But let the wealth of Wall Street, he was able to keep all this money. And I know he buried money. Mr. Smart U.S. Attorney's Office, why don't you find out? Well, if you want me to, I could do a little due diligence on him. I can find where he has the money. Why don't you hire my company, Bodinal Associates, and we'll find that money. And damn it, how this man has been able to get away with it, and he smudges it right in the federal government's face. Why don't we use some of these FBI agents that we're using to bring up all these phony dossiers? Why don't we take a team of them and go after that little creep and let's recover that $100 million. Wolf of Wall Street, what a joke. He was the rat lion punk of Wall Street. Jordan Belford, you're a disgrace and you should go down. The people should really know. Now you have the audacity to do speeches. What, speeches how you can rob people? You're a punk. And that's the true story behind the Wolf of Wall Street. He shouldn't be called the Wolf of Wall Street. He should have been called, and I call him, is the Rat Punk of Wall Street. Jordan Belford is a creep. Thank you for listening, and we gave you the true story. There was no Wolf of Wall Street. He was the Rat Creep of Wall Street. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And again, I have to apologize for my anger, but I do still get angry when I hear people getting away with criminal activities. And the victims, what rights did those victims have? Maybe we could get some money back to them. Please, tune in next week, okay? Bo Deedle's True Crime Store. Thank you. Thank you.